This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. I recently visited the rehearsal studios of American Repertory Ballet, where artistic director Douglas Martin was doing a complete run-through of his new full-length ballet based on Jane Austen's classic 1813 novel Pride and Prejudice, which will be performed at McCarter Theatre in Princeton this weekend. The book, a complex love story set in the world of the landed gentry of the British Regency, is famous for being the mother of all romantic comedies, as well as a technical masterpiece of English literature. It has been widely popular for centuries, and there have been many adaptations on stage and in film, but no one has ever told the story through dance until now. This is the seventh world premiere Douglas Martin has choreographed for American Repertory Ballet. This production will also feature live orchestral accompaniment by the Princeton Symphony Orchestra under the direction of John Devlin. With the opening night of this highly anticipated world premiere at McCarter Theatre approaching in less than a week, Martin broke away from rehearsal to talk about his interpretation of Pride and Prejudice and taking creative risks. If you look at the lineage of, of classical dance, and we're talking um, really about um, story ballets, um, you see these, um, the ones that they've done are basically, they have a heroine and a hero and a villain, right? So you have Sleeping Beauty or Swan Lake, um, Romeo and Juliet, um, you know, where you can focus on one couple. And, and certainly we have Darcy and Elizabeth, but um, that immediately brought a challenge to this project. Darcy doesn't want to dance, so how do you create a ballet where the main character doesn't want to dance till practically halfway through the book. I mean, expressly says, I don't want to dance. So um, that really sets up some problems when I think people are looking for a story. Some things are harder than others to express. And so uh, it's about writing a libretto and figuring out what you're going to tell. When I, when I decided to do this, I discovered that the four main couples, the four couples that get together, were all going to be leads and they were going to be what this story was about. And the relationship was going to propel the relationship of uh, Elizabeth and Darcy. And of course, that's exactly what happens in the book. But you know, most, most of the time when you think about this, you, you think about Darcy and Elizabeth, and you're waiting the whole story for them to finally get together. But um, what really propels this story for us is the maturity of the other relationships before Darcy and Elizabeth. So you have all these people get together for good reasons and bad reasons. And then finally at the end, you have the satisfaction of them coming together. So there are many adaptations of Pride and Prejudice. Movies, plays, something called Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, but there's never been a dance, no Pride and Prejudice dances in over 200 years. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, this is the first time a full novel of Jane Austen's has been brought to, uh, made into a full length ballet. You know, she had such a great ability to express her stories through words. And she's, um, she, her narrative is not really about um, the description of, of the setting. It's really the, the way people communicate together and, um, and what their phrases are to one another. And so um, I don't think that a lot of people have looked at that and thought, you know, that's not very descriptive for an actual dance. but. What I realized is that it's perfect because it's so emotional. It is about the emotional interaction. And so I'm kind of thankful that um, I believe I'll be the first. <laughs> of course, it's the language and the dialogue of the novel that is so famous and beloved. 
uh, by so many people. Did that add to the pressure of adapting this story into a dance without any of that iconic language at all? Well, um, you really read out the libretto, and um, not, not only did I, I scour the book, but I got indexes and um, uh, annotated versions and um, looked through chapter references. So I, I had to tell, um, be able to tell what was important. This is a two and a half hour long ballet, which is a long ballet. Um, you know, most of the, the good movies that give all the dialogue are six hours long. So um, obviously there's a lot in there. So um, you kind of eliminate, um, eliminate things that don't advance the narrative. So that's the first thing you have to do. Um, as far as the question about um, words as opposed to body movement, it was great for me while you were saying that, I'm seeing all of this gesticulation because we dance all day long. Everything we do is emphasized by our face, our eyebrows, the way our hands move, our shoulders, and it expresses or compounds the expression of our words uh, or our, our, our moods or, or emotions, right? Everyone dances all day long and, and most people just don't realize it. So um, when I translate words into ballet, what I'm translating is the visual relationship between two people or seven people or whatever it is, the emotions that those people are, are having between themselves, and that's all expressed through their body language. And then the thing that compounds that for us is the rhythm and what you're hearing, all right? So um, I know it's difficult because people get tied into the words uh, and the expression of the words. So then what you have to do is translate the story and say, what's propelling this forward? It's the relationship of groups of people or individuals and what we see happening. So you do have to understand how that works in, in dance, but um, it's, it's not a mystery to our species. You know, we're communicating all the time. Dogs do it to you. You know, we all understand all of that. We just don't think it, we take it for granted. So what I want people to know is that dance is a language. It's really just the language of the body. And so a little bit of education on it, i.e. go to the ballet once in a while, and you'll actually start to really understand the strength of that expression. Can you talk a little bit about your process as a choreographer? Uh, how do you do this kind of translation? Uh, absolutely. There are uh, some hurdles there because... Um, when you're doing a film, you know, they can look at every actor on earth and, and decide exactly which character they want each actor to portray and, and which person has those characteristics. Um, I have a, a company of dancers that, that works with us year in and year out, and they move along in their careers. And so casting is very important because you want a naturalness, but at the same time, we're all professional dancers and we want the ability to play different roles and stretch ourselves. But as I'm working then with the dancers, I have to get them to understand the character. But then as a choreographer, I really believe that they will be stronger in their character if I understand who they personally are and what their strengths and limitations are. So as I get them to express their character and the parts of the story I'm telling, I have to look at them and know what, what they're going to be able to do and then design that so that they can succeed. You know, the first cast of any full-length ballet has the advantage of everybody from then on thinking that that's how that character should be played. In your opinion, what should people know about this novel, Pride and Prejudice? Why do you think it's an important book, worthy of exploring in new ways? 
Well, the simple, um, the simple answer is that as a story, um, it's so compelling because I think everybody understands sections of the stories. They can pick out the characters and identify with the characters. They care about the characters, and the characters are real. Um, the, the really great thing about uh, Pride and Prejudice and the language of it is that 200 years later, it doesn't seem staid. Um, it doesn't seem like, oh, that's overly wordy, or it's too colorful, or uh, uh, not colorful enough, and the explanations are too long, it doesn't drag on. She really nailed it um, all the way through. There's never a moment, even though she uses a narrator, there's never a, a moment that you're bored with the narrator. So what can the audience expect to see this Friday, opening night? We have beautiful costumes, we have beautiful dancers, we have a beautiful production. A lot of moving parts. Most ballets have about five scenes and they might change twice, so maybe 10 scenes. We have 17 scenes with 28 scene changes. We have scrims coming in. We have two video cameras working at different points in the stage. Uh, I think it's going to be an eyeful. And I think it'll be a really wonderful performance just to take in as a whole. Hopefully we can get it uh, right so that they know what to look at because there's a lot going on, as usual, with my ballets. And um, so I think it's going to be an enjoyable full evening, and hopefully we get it right. As an artist, you have to be willing to take risk. And you have to do your research, you have to do all of your work. So um, I'm proud of the work everybody's put in, and uh, let's go see a show. Douglas Martin, Artistic Director of American Repertory Ballet. His new full-length ballet, Pride and Prejudice, will have its world premiere this Friday, April 21st, at McCarter Theatre in Princeton, with a second performance on Saturday. For tickets, go to mccarter.org. That's McCarter, M-C-C-A-R-T-E-R. For more info about American Repertory Ballet, visit americanrepertoryballet.org. And for more about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. I'm Christopher Benincasa. Thanks for listening. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.